Welcome to the CRR podcast. Uh, today we're going to talk about stainless steel rebar, but to kind of start things off, uh, I'm here with a few people uh, wanted to introduce ourselves. My name is David Foster. I'm Dave Friedman. I'm our stainless steel sales manager for Contractors Materials and CRR. And I'm Eric Wingerberg. I am in stainless steel sales at Contractors Materials Company and CRR. All right. So to kind of start things off, like I said, we're going to be talking about stainless steel rebar and its applications and why it should be used. Um, kind of start things off, figured we would talk about a case study. Gresso Pier um, has a little bit of history. Do you guys want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, the uh, Progresso Pier is in the Yucatan Peninsula of Mexico, built originally back in 1937 with stainless steel rebar using type 304. 86 years later, it is still a functioning bridge. Sure. You know, I'm looking at a picture of this pier here, and it shows that there's a uh, some serious deterioration. I'm guessing that was not the stainless pier? No, that, that pier was originally made with carbon rebar. Um, and as the picture shows that you pointed out, it's totally corroded away, and, you know, parts of the structure still showing, and that's it. And then the picture to the right of it shows the the bridge that was built back in 37 with stainless steel rebar that's still functioning and looking like a brand new bridge. Okay. Well, I do know that stainless has kind of taken off maybe in the past 20 years as opposed to the past 90 years, but um, it'll be interesting to see what's to come. So what are, uh, what would be like the purpose of just using any reinforcing steel and concrete? Rebar as a material is used to add tension strength to a concrete structure. Concrete alone has a high compression strength, but it lacks the tension strength needed to hold itself together. Once you add rebar to the structure, you'll have the tension strength you need. Gotcha. So what are some of these common properties that make stainless steel so valuable? Why would, why would I want to use stainless over any other reinforcing type? Uh, so some of the properties that stainless brings to the table would be uh, corrosion resistance. Uh, the main property of stainless is its corrosion resistance. The corrosion resistance is obtained by oxide layer formed by the chromium content of steel. Uh, another one would be the high strength. The tensile strength of stainless steel bars is much more than carbon steel bars. Uh, another point would be the higher ductility. The ductility of uh, stainless steel is higher due to the higher nickel content. Another one would be cryogenic resistance. So say you have a project that is going to be in a super low temperature area, uh, stainless steel could be used for that project. Fire resistance. Steel is generally has good fire resistance, and when it comes to stainless steel, it has even higher fire resistance. Uh, the magnetic response, so there are certain grades of stainless steel rebar that are non-magnetic. Uh, type 316 LN would be a good example of that. Sure. So you mentioned um, cryogenic and fire resistance. What kind of temperatures do you know we'd be talking about um, for, like, specifically cryogenic? Are we talking, like, you know, minus 20 degrees, or are we talking closer to, like, minus 100 degrees? An example of that one would be like for cryogenic would be liquid natural gas applications. You'd need to be at least a minus 200 to minus 400 degrees Fahrenheit in order for that rebar to not become too brittle. And stainless steel works in those applications. Yep. 
Okay, so you're talking pretty cold. And then as yeah. far as fire resistance goes, is there a reason why um, normal steel wouldn't work or why stainless would be better for some sort of fire application? Well, I know on stainless steel, it, it can achieve temperatures well above 1,200 degrees Fahrenheit before it gets to a brittle application. That's why a lot of stainless steel doesn't get heat treated, whereas carbon rebar can actually get to a remelting point at, above I think it's 700 degrees. Okay, so there is a pretty significant difference there. You kind of touched on a couple elements when you were talking about the properties, Eric. Do you know, or either Dave, either of you two know, what what are the elements, core elements, that make up stainless steel? Right, so you've got chromium. This is a major element in stainless steel rebar. It helps provide an oxide film on the steel surface. Uh, the film is... It's rough and it's invisible, so you're not going to see it with the naked eye, but it does protect the bar, and this is all the way through the bar. It's not an outer layer. So it's not a coating you would yeah. put on like on epoxy rebar. Right, so chromium is going to be all the way through the bar. Okay. Yeah. So, and you've also got nickel. Uh, this helps improve the properties like ductility and formability. We get some funky shapes when it comes to uh, bending stainless steel rebar. Nickel helps with that. And then you've also got molybdenum, also known as moly. And this improves the corrosion resistance and the weldability of the stainless steel rebar. Uh, then you've also got nitrogen, which improves the mechanical strength and the corrosion resistance. And one thing to add in there about like the nickel and the moly, on, on the nickel improving the uh, ductility of the bar, that also helps when you have applications where it needs to be in the seismic zone. The moly adding for the weldability, one thing to note is that all the stainless steel rebar, the four chemistries that are made into the A955 are all weldable, which okay. helps in various projects. So you mentioned a couple things. First, A955, which we can touch on here in a minute. The second thing, though, you said uh, seismic zones. So I know right now they use a lot of A706 in seismic applications. What... Uh, Compared to stainless steel, how does A706 match up with it? So stainless steel is going to have a uh, elastic measurement of 18 to 21% per the A955 and A276 specs, whereas A706 carbon rebar is going to be in the 9 to 12% range. Okay, so theoretically you could get a lot more uh, shaking before right. any sort of breaking. So yep. Good to know. All right, so kind of moving on, um, we talked, you mentioned A955 and ASTM. What is that? So the ASTM is the American standard of testing and measuring. Testing, testing and measuring. Um, 955 specifically is to stainless steel rebar regarding the mechanical properties. Um, and A276 <laughs> is to the uh, chemical properties of it. Is stainless steel just a general type of bar if I were to call up and order some stainless steel, or is there more specifics that we would need to get into? If you're ordering stainless steel rebar, there are more specifics regarding the type of alloy, whether it's a 400 series uh, alloy under the 955 spec, which covers the duplex 2205 and 2304. 300 series covers the XM28 or the type 316 LN. Um, although they all have a corrosion-resistant property and to them, they do have different mechanical properties. They do have different applications where 
one may not be best suited for a like an MRI room, whereas 316LN is definitely suited for specific jobs like an MRI room. Okay, sounds good. So there's different uh, different options when it comes to utilizing stainless rebar. You mentioned something about mechanical properties. What defines these mechanical properties? What is the is there a standard? I know if I were to buy black rebar, uh, you know, I'm getting grade 40, grade 60, grade 80, and grade 100 coming around now. So what, uh, what does that look like on the stainless side? So typically for stainless steel rebar, grade 75 is what you're going to see. Um, for some of the bigger bar, you'll see grade 60, but uh, grade 75. And we've also seen certs that could pass for grade 80 as well. So... Yeah, typically the yield strength is what you're going to see, the, the grade 60 and grade 75. Okay. So what are the differences between grade 60 and grade 75? And you kind of mentioned grade 80. Is is it just the strength? Is there anything else that plays into that? Because I know with, again, comparing this to black bar, you have different elongations that it might meet. Typically the higher strength bars aren't really going to stretch as much. They get more brittle as they get stronger. Right, so the elongation for uh, both grade 60 and 75 are going to be about the same. Uh, The yield strength is obviously different. You've got 60 versus 75. Okay, so talking more about this, you mentioned grade 80 kind of being on the fringe. What Can you guys kind of explain as to the process into making these different grades? Is is it uh, similar to Black Bar where I call up the mill and I'm like, hey, I need a truckload of grade 80? Well, on the, on the carbon side for the mills, they can dial in when they're rolling the material, whether they want grade 60, grade 75, grade 80, grade 100. And there is a price difference for those when you buy the material from the mill. The inherent properties with stainless steel when it's rolled is when they're either doing coil or straight bar, the inherent properties are always going to be higher to the point where it's going to be certified pretty much to grade 75 no matter what type they make and, and what chemistry they make. Um, with grade 80 coming into the, to the realm now in terms of being put into the specs, you're going to get a, a higher yield strength, a higher tensile strength, and you're also going to, that result, though, is going to come down with a lower elongation closer to 16 versus the grade 75 being close to 20. Okay, so there's really no price difference in how uh, stainless is Right. Purchased. Right. They just they they make one type and it's one price and that's what it's going to be. So. Okay. Sounds good. So talking about all this stainless rolling and purchasing, where where is it actually made at? Is it produced in the U.S.? Yeah. So it's produced in uh, the U.S. So there's two locations that primarily make all the stainless steel rebar in the United States. You've got North American Stainless in uh, Gent, Kentucky. You've also got Carpenter Tally down in South Carolina. So we primarily purchase all of our stainless steel rebar from North American Stainless just due to the location. They're right down the road. Yeah, one thing to add in there is that uh, North American Stainless does all their melting and uh, re-rolling finishing product processing on one location in Gen, Kentucky, as Eric mentioned. Carpenter Tally, though, makes their billets in Redding, PA, and then everything is trucked down to their location in uh, South Carolina to do all the finished processing for it. So it's just these two mills in the U.S. Then what about around the world? I, I know that you know DOT projects in the U.S. require Buy America, but 
maybe there's a commercial application for this product. Is there a way to get imports in? North American Stainless is owned by Arceranox, which is based in Spain. Um, and that, as a global company, has various mill locations throughout the world to include the Pacific Rim. Um, Carpenter, Carpenter Technologies is only located in the U.S., and that's the only place they make any kind of stainless products. Um, there are other mills in the U.K., such as Valbruna, Odakampu, um, to name a few, and, and they would ship into the Canadian market. However, we can't take it into the U.S. market because everything we need ha has to be U.S. domestic. Uh, you also have longer lead times to get the material. Um, sure. The majority of the material is all in straight lengths, not coils. Um, so you're limited in what can be put into a container and what the lengths can be. Gotcha. I guess that brings up the question then is, you mentioned Canada, is there a high demand for stainless rebar in other countries outside the U.S.? There is. There's, there's been quite a bit of work done up in Canada from the East Coast to the West Coast, and there is becoming more popular in the specifications, especially in the uh, middle provinces such as Ontario and uh, Saskatchewan. Okay. So you mentioned the UK. Are, are they using stainless rebar regularly? They do use it on a regular basis. I, you know, similar to the U.S. and Canadian specs, it all depends on the project, where it's located, over water, not over water, or, or in high corrosion zones um, where they're going to use a lot of the de-icing salts. Okay. Okay, great. So you, you mentioned de-icing salts, and that's kind of a good segue into some of my next questions is where would someone want to use stainless rebar? Yeah, so the best place to use uh, stainless steel rebar would obviously be corrosion, corrosive environments, right? So if you've got a bridge that's going to use heavy de-icing salts, the bridge deck would be perfect for that. Uh, if you've got a pier next to salt water, that'd be another good example. Uh, docks, anchors, seawalls, uh, splash zones, anywhere on a bridge that's going to be getting whacked with uh, seawater would be perfect spot to put stainless steel rebar. That makes sense. That makes sense. What are some of the pros and cons of using stainless steel in these areas as opposed to others? Obviously, the corrosion resistance is going to be a lot higher. Is that the only reason why someone would want to use stainless steel in these areas? Yeah, so the stainless steel rebar, it's going to add to the longevity of the structure. Um, say you've got a bridge deck that uh, you put stainless steel rebar in. Uh, you're going to be looking at a lot less maintenance uh, than you would be if you use carbon bar, uh, which obviously is going to cut down on traffic. It's going to cut down on life cycle costs, which we can touch on later. But uh, that would be the main, the main reason you would want to use stainless in certain areas like that. Okay. And earlier we were talking about, you mentioned some seismic applications as well as non-magnetic um, are there even any other options when it comes to reinforcement for those sorts of things? I, you know, I said A706 for seismic applications, but particularly non-magnetic. An MRI room still needs some sort of reinforcement. Is there any other option besides stainless? Well, the only other option on an MRI application would be if you go with GFRP rebar, which has no metals in it whatsoever. There are, you know, depending on the design of the MRI, uh, GFRP is a good option, you know, as an alternative to stainless steel. 
The uh, only limitation to the GFRP is if it, if it has to be bent, it's got to be done actually at the GFRP manufacturing plant. It cannot be fabricated or bent on site or in a normal rebar fab shop. There is then a, the lead time to wait for it, which could be anything from two weeks to six weeks, depending on how much needs to be made and, and the backlog that the fiberglass plant's got. Um, because the fiberglass is made through a fluid uh, process out of a resin that then has to be formed and then cured just like any kind of an epoxy type resin. The other downfall of the fiberglass is gonna be that the uh, elongation is nowhere near what it is for stainless steel, obviously. Mm -hmm. If it gets under too much stress or if it gets any damage to the product itself or the bar itself, mm -hmm. it can then become a detriment to the structure, especially if it's in a elevated structural slab for a hospital. Okay, so talking about some cons of GFRP there, kind of segues into this next question I had, I had in here in front of me, which is, what are the uh, pros and cons of stainless rebar compared to some of these other alternatives? We mentioned the corrosion resistance. We mentioned the elongation, really focusing on mechanical properties. Um, but you also kind of touched on something with the GFRP, which was the kind of durability of it really at the job site. You said if something gets nicked, then it can really affect the, the whole product itself if it's just not handled correctly. Can you guys kind of elaborate on that maybe with some other reinforcement alternatives as well? Well, like I said, the fiberglass has a, it, it's a low modulus material. So it's, it's a hard material. It's, it's got good concrete bonding to it. it. It's got good reinforcement in, again, certain applications, but it does have its limitations in terms of how it can be made, the availability of it. Um, and, and again, if you get into an application where it's being placed on the job and you get damage to the bar where it is uh, cracked or nicked in some way, it, it can under stress then become even a, a further damaged material, whereas stainless steel you get a nick or a scratch and it's not going to bother the detriment or the mechanical properties of the bar. You know, the other reinforcing seals out there, the, the epoxy coating, you're going to have a low initial cost to it uh, compared to stainless steel, but you have a coating on the bar, which if that coating gets damaged or it gets what's called holidays on the coating of the bar, moisture and other corrosion materials can get down in there. And then that product can accelerate in terms of the corrosion of the carbon bar that that is coated. Galvanizing, probably compared to epoxy coating, could be a better product. Uh, it's, it's more of a penetrating coating into the bar versus a laying on top of the bar coating. Again, you're going to have some low initial cost, but you also have some fabricating uh, limitations to it, and it, it, it's not, you know, uh, a long time process for longevity like stainless steel is a coating is still a coating and there have been you know uh, tests done where it does eventually break down over time gotcha so you're mentioning a bunch about the um, lower initial cost of these alternatives versus stainless steel so i guess if i'm looking at a long-term picture stainless steel seems to come out ahead what is the reasoning behind that is there math is there some sort of rule of thumb or heuristic that really helps highlight these examples or possibly explain this? Well, the, the epoxy coated rebar probably has, and there have been studies done with it where it's got a typical life cycle of around 35 to 45 years. If a bridge, if a DOT is going to design a bridge 
and they're going to design it for 50 years and they design it for 50 because there's no they know there's going to be further expansion and uh, in that area they'll likely use an epoxy coated or a galvanized bar whereas if the design for stainless steel or for a bridge is going to be they want it to be 100 plus 125 plus 150 plus years they're going to look for something that's going to last longer and has the uh the research done behind it such that stainless steel has had uh, with the lower life cycle cost over the length of the bridge and, and where stainless steel can provide 100, 125, 150 plus year life to the bridge. You know, the galvanizing, again, being a better product, I would say to epoxy coating, you're probably looking at the 50 to 60 year range for galvanized bar. You know, fiberglass is uh, good, you know, it, it's going to be there as long as it doesn't get any kind of damage to it. Um, but again, certain structural applications, uh, some people are not too keen about using the fiberglass. Understood. So then you got this life cycle cost where you're going to end up saving money in the long run. I guess my question then is, if you're looking at a whole structure, there are many different parts of a structure, whether it's a bridge, you have abutments, you have barrier walls, you have columns coming up out of the ground or the water, um, you have piers. Is stainless steel utilized in all of those aspects of the bridge? Or Well, there's a lot of DOTs that, um, you know, spec different types of steel for a bridge structure. You know, there's some that will use the, the black bar or the higher strength bars for the base substructure where they need the strength of it and you're not in any kind of corrosion zone. And as you get further up into the deck, the superstructure, the barriers, you know, that's where they're going to look for the corrosion resistant because that's going to be what's called the exposure zone for de-icing salts and other corrosive materials. You know, the other thing to bring up about the life cycle cost is there's many, been many studies done that show that the life cycle cost of stainless steel over the time of the bridge or the structure that's being built is a lot lower than what the other reinforcing steels are. Um, the other thing to look at is, you know, what the cost of the stainless steel is to the project. And there's a project that was done up in Edmonton, Canada, that did a circle freeway around the entire city. And out of about 6,500 metric tons provided up there, the cost of the steel only impacted the project by about 1%. Um, another study we heard recently that Eric and I were on a trip and heard from a some folks at a DOT was that the um, expected cost impact of stainless steel to most common bridge structures is only about 1.4%. So, you know, people look at the initial price of stainless, they look at the sticker shock, they say, oh my God, we can't do this. But if you look at the expected 1.4% increase of cost over the life of the bridge, for how it's being built or the life cycle cost of it, you know, stainless steel does actually come in at a very good value. Sure, yeah, I mean, I can imagine any project, whether it's a small bridge or a mega project, the reinforcing steel's gotta, no matter what type you're using, has to represent such a small amount when you're talking about labor cost, installation cost, concrete. Excavation. Cost, excavation, yeah, absolutely. There's really a lot that goes into a project, not just the reinforcing steel. So I guess then, you know, talking about the full project, reinforcing steel is, again, just a small part of a project, but there's also other things that are used alongside rebar, including, you know, 
tie wires, slab bolsters, um, even joints where you're going to have um, mechanical splices. Is that stuff available in stainless steel? Yeah, absolutely it is. Uh, something we provide a lot would be mechanical couplers. Uh, we've got our own facility that creates the stainless steel mechanical couplers. Uh, we can also provide stainless steel paving baskets, uh, stainless steel slab bolsters, continuous stirrups, uh, continuous spirals, and then we can also do uh, stainless steel tie wire. It's another popular item. Okay, so pretty much anything you can do with normal steel, you guys can do with stainless steel. Correct, yeah. Okay. And, an, and a new one to add to it would be stainless steel mesh, which is becoming... Uh, more common, getting more calls on it, um, different applications, whether it's uh, residential, commercial, or, or DOT types. Okay, so on the mesh, is it just like standard stock mesh that you would find, or is it uh, more unique? Uh, it's going to be more unique to the project, um, similar sizes to what's available in the carbon market, whether it's a 4x4 four four spacing or 6x6 six six spacing, but you know, as with the uh, different types of rebar available, there's, you know, only a couple different types of wire available. And again, you need to look at the application and find out which wire is going to be best for the application. Gotcha. That makes sense. Do either of you guys want to kind of highlight, again, what we just covered? You know, what? why would I want to use stainless rebar in my project? Yeah, so just to bring it up again, it's uh, the longer lifetime. There are studies that say it could last another 120 years. Another reason would be it retains its strength when it's bent. Stainless steel is also going to allow for thinner concrete cover than you would for uh, other materials. Um, it doesn't rely on high alkalinity of concrete for protection. Got better fire resistance than other corrosion-resistant reinforcing. It's not going to have that coating that can chip and degrade like other uh, corrosion-resistant reinforcing. Uh, it's got good ductility for common rebar bends. Say you've got a U-bend, uh, the stainless steel is going to hold up well when you bend it. Magnetic uh, response, so say, just like Dave mentioned earlier, if you've got an MRI project, type 316LN, it would be the perfect reinforcing for that. Uh, then you've also just got fewer road repairs. So if you're not doing uh, road repairs and then you're going to have less traffic, that is something that everybody can appreciate. Absolutely. I know that all too well. But uh, no, I appreciate you guys' time. Um, seems like stainless rebar is a pretty good product to at least consider for projects. There's a lot of uh, positive things that looks like it can provide to any major project. So thank you all for listening. CRR podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to either Dave Friedman or Eric Wienerberg. Um, they'd be happy to answer any questions, especially about any sort of design questions. Um, Sales questions, pricing, anything like that, they'd be happy to help. Thank you. Goodbye.